Welcome to episode 222 of the TruthQuest podcast, the truth about the recension of the First Amendment. Before we get started, I want to ask you to do me a favor and share the show. If you're on social media and see discussions going on about the Federal Reserve, fossil fuels, Ben Bernanke, the FBI, digital currency, or the COVID vaccine, please share the TruthQuest podcast with your friend. Tell them to browse the episode titles and dive into whatever topics pique their interest. Episodes are available on a host of platforms, including iTunes, Google Play Music, Stitcher, Spotify, Amazon Music, Podbean, BitChute, Rumble, and Instagram, where I post a short highlight of each show at instagram.com forward slash truthquestpodcast. And I also recently jumped on Telegram if you want to check me out there. Whatever platform you may be listening to this on, please take a moment and give it a five-star rating, hit the like button, or leave a positive review. Better yet, please subscribe to the podcast. Another way you can help grow the show is to throw a small donation my way at the TruthQuest podcast patronage page. All donations will be used to drive awareness of the podcast through online advertising. See this episode's show notes page at truthquest.podbean.com for details. And finally, please join the conversation on Facebook at facebook.com forward slash truthquestpodcast. We find ourselves in a perilous place in history with the federal government heavily involved in directing news and social media outlets and platforms to restrict the God-given and constitutionally protected right of free speech. The feds commonly refer to this as mis- or dis- or malinformation. This is not the first time in American history that we've seen such over-the-top, in-your-face, unconstitutional behavior by the federal government as it tries to silence dissent. How many of you remember the Alien and Sedition Acts from history class? They were a series of laws passed by the U.S. Congress in 1798 during the administration of President John Adams amid widespread fear that a foreign war against France was imminent. The controversial laws restricted the activities of foreign residents in the country and limited free speech and the freedom of the press, particularly when it was critical of the president or the government. Can you think of a more clearly defined violation of the First Amendment than that? After all, the First Amendment does read, Congress shall make no law abridging the freedom of speech or of the press. And yet, this Congress, filled with men from our founding generation and the second friggin' president of the United States, John Adams, all of whom should have known better, passed the damn thing into law. The relevant act to this episode was the Sedition Act, which took direct aim at those who spoke out against the president or the Federalist-dominated government. Does that sound familiar? The new law outlawed any false, scandalous, and malicious writings against Congress or the president and made it illegal to conspire to, quote, oppose any measures or measures of the government, end quote. In other words, they were silencing dissent and shutting down debate. Does that sound familiar? Between 1798 and 1801, the U.S. federal courts prosecuted at least 26 people under the Sedition Act. Many were editors of Democratic-Republican newspapers and all opposed the Adams administration. Here's a little historical footnote for you. By 1802, all of the Alien and Sedition Acts had been repealed or expired except for the Alien Enemies Act, which has stayed on the books to this day. The Alien Enemies Act was invoked for another scandalous, in-your-face, over-the-top, unconstitutional act during World War II to incarcerate people such as Americans of Japanese descent into internment camps. Let's discuss what I hinted at when I posed the question, does this sound familiar? What has come out in the news lately that would remind us modern-day folks of the Alien and Sedition Acts? 
Much of what we're going to discuss today comes from an in-depth article from The Intercept, published on October 31st, 2022. Much of their information came from discovery in a lawsuit filed by attorneys general of Louisiana and Missouri against the federal government to combat sweeping efforts to pressure social media companies to moderate certain forms of content appearing on their platforms. In other words, the federal government was colluding, well, is colluding with big tech to censor the opposition, silence dissent, and shut down debate. Does that sound familiar? The lawsuit alleges government-wide efforts to censor certain stories, especially ones relating to the pandemic. It also names multiple agencies across the government that have participated in efforts to monitor speech and openly collude with social media companies, agencies such as the Secret Service, Customs and Border Protection, and Immigration and Customs Enforcement. Why don't those agencies just do their job rather than censoring speech? What the hell is going on anyways? In addition, the lawsuit identifies emails between officials from National Institute of Health, including Dr. Anthony the Fraud Fauci and Facebook CEO Mark Zuckerberg at the beginning of the pandemic. And it reveals ongoing discussions between senior Biden administration officials with Facebook executives on developing content moderation policies on a range of issues, including related to the elections and vaccines. Zuckerberg himself confirmed the collusion during an appearance on the Joe Rogan podcast a couple months ago, where he explained how the FBI pushed Facebook to suppress the Hunter Biden laptop story. I'm going to read excerpts from the Intercept article and do a little bit of my own fill-in-the-blank and color commentary as I try to tie the pieces together. From the piece, the Department of Homeland Security, DHS, is quietly broadening its efforts to curb speech it considers dangerous. Years of internal DHS memos, emails, and documents illustrate an expansive effort by the agency to influence tech platforms. The work came into clearer view earlier this year when DHS announced a new Disinformation Governance Board, a panel designed to police misinformation, disinformation, and malinformation that allegedly threatens U.S. interest. While the board was widely ridiculed and immediately scaled back and shut down within a few months, other initiatives to monitor social media were already underway as DHS pivots away from its original mandate, the War on Terror, to unconstitutional shit like censoring speech in America. The stepped-up counter-disinformation effort began in 2018 following high-profile hacking incidents of U.S. firms. Congress passed and Donald Trump signed the Cybersecurity and Infrastructure Security Agency Act, forming a new wing of DHS devoted to protecting critical national infrastructure. This resulted in a rapidly accelerating move towards policing disinformation. So here we are with yet another example of an unconstitutional government agency or program that shouldn't exist to begin with, that grows beyond its boundaries, and of course is never dismantled or abolished. You may be asking where the DHS gets its authority. Well, the DHS justifies these goals like this. While, quote, counterterrorism remains the first and most important mission of the department, the agency's work on these missions is evolving and dynamic and must now adapt to terror threats, quote, exacerbated by, drumroll please, misinformation and disinformation spread online. This includes domestic violent extremists. Now remember, the DHS was founded in 2002 in response to 9-11, 
as a bulwark to coordinate intelligence and security operations across the government. At the time this monstrosity was created, then-Congressman Ron Paul said this on the House floor, quote, The list of dangerous and unconstitutional powers granted to the new Homeland Security Department is lengthy. Warrantless searches, forced vaccinations of whole communities, federal neighborhood snitch programs, federal information databases, and a sinister new information awareness office at the Pentagon that uses military intelligence to spy on domestic citizens are just a few of the troubling aspects of the new legislation, end quote. And, of course, no one ever listened to Ron Paul, who basically only spoke truth his entire career. The subsequent military defeat of ISIS forces in Syria and Iraq, along with the withdrawal from Afghanistan, left the homeland security apparatus without a target. So many people and so little to do. Unlike a company in the private sector whose workload decreases and they decrease headcount, you will never see that in a government agency. Instead, they invented a new threat. The allegations that Russian agents had seeded disinformation on Facebook that tipped the 2016 election towards Donald Trump. A completely fabricated story. This provided the authoritarians with the opening they needed. Then came COVID, and these bloodthirsty sons of bitches, these guys took another hit off their totalitarian joint. I want to point out to you how these tyrants always use vague language and establish completely subjective and relative standards to all of their authoritarian dictates. Case in point, DHS described their Disinformation Governance Board as a panel designed to police misinformation, disinformation, and malinformation that allegedly threatens U.S. interests. First of all, in an America governed by the Constitution, there is no such thing as mis, dis, or malinformation. These are literally made-up words. They can mean whatever the creator of the words want them to mean. The definitions currently used by DHS and, of course, subject to change at any point, are misinformation, false information spread unintentionally, disinformation, false information spread intentionally, and malinformation, factual information shared typically out of context with harmful intent. This is so stupid. Coming from a bunch of people who change the definition of woman, vaccine, and marriage, I'm sure they have good intentions. I mean, really? How the hell can they determine if someone is spreading information intentionally or unintentionally or with harmful intent? This is a crock of shit. I, I just can't get over it. Back to the DHS description. Note the use of the term allegedly. Mis, mis dis, malinvestment that allegedly threatens U.S. interests. Talk about vague language. Again, allegedly means whatever they want it to mean. The subjective nature of what constitutes disinformation provides a broad opening for DHS officials to make politically motivated determinations about what constitutes dangerous speech. These are not hard and fast legal terms or standards. They are completely open to interpretation. Remember some of the language from the Alien and Sedition Acts? False, scandalous, and malicious writing? Or DHS is quietly broadening its efforts to curb speech it considers dangerous. I mean, come on, what is false, scandalous, malicious, or dangerous, and who gets to make that determination? You know damn well who gets to, the authoritarians, that's who. Always listen very carefully to the language used by tyrants. They are deliberate so they can never be tied down. I repeat, 
these are not hard and fast legal terms or standards. They are completely open to interpretation. Here is how the Office of Inspector General defines some of these terms in their report on DHS efforts to curb mis-, dis-, and malinformation. Disinformation is manufactured information deliberately created or disseminated to mislead, harm, or manipulate a person, group, or country. A disinformation campaign occurs when a person, group, or people, or entity, i.e. threat actor or hostile nation, coordinates to distribute false or misleading information while concealing the true objectives of the campaign. The report goes on, quote, The objectives of disinformation campaigns can be broad sowing discord in the population, or, or circulating a counter-narrative to domestic protests. For example, such campaigns may aim to erode public trust in our government and the nation's critical infrastructure sectors, negatively affect public discourse, or even sway elections. These campaigns can have foreign or domestic origins and may incorporate several different types of information. Disinformation, misinformation, propaganda, and true information. Specific examples of recent disinformation campaigns that targeted the United States includes a foreign entity offering to pay social media influencers to criticize U.S. COVID-19 vaccines, false claims of voter fraud during the November 2020 elections, and bad actors using civil unrest as an opportunity to spread conspiracy theories and escalate tensions. Seriously, folks, I cannot take this shit. Number one, none of this crap is constitutional. If they want to monitor, dismiss, and malinformation, pass a constitutional amendment. Second of all, we are still stuck in this subjective world with the almighty federal government being the ultimate arbiter of the words deliberate, misled, harm, false, counter-narrative, or manipulate. Again, these are not legal standards or legal terms. I found the phrases concealing the true objective of the campaign and sowing discord and a negative effect particularly rich. All of them, of course, are undefinable. Did you catch the two other important pieces in that paragraph? Foreign or domestic origins? Even the IG's office finds no fault with targeting the domestic population and curbing their free speech. The one that really got me, though, was you cannot criticize U.S. COVID-19 vaccines. Criticism is now outlawed in America? Land of the free, home of the brave? Don't you dare criticize, dear leader or else. So you can't criticize the deadly, damaging, and ineffective COVID-19 vaccine. And I'm assuming that includes telling the truth about alternative treatments for COVID, like ivermectin, hydroxychloroquine. And obviously we know that you can't talk about the truth about Hunter Biden's laptop, or the truth about the Biden crime family. And they already said you can't talk about the truth about voter fraud efforts in a handful of Democrat-led counties in a handful of battleground states in 2020. You certainly can't talk about the truth about our abrupt military abandonment of Afghanistan. And we know we can't talk about the truth about the recession we're currently living in because they just changed the definition. Or the record crime rates in major cities across the country. Or the truth about the open southern border. Those are all real-life examples of mis dis malinformation that was and is actually censored by big tech at the behest of the federal government. I mean, you can't make this shit up. If this were a movie, no one would watch it because the plotline is too ridiculous and unbelievable. Unless, of course, they're watching George Orwell's 1984. Anything that opposes the agenda of the doomsday cult, formerly known as the Democratic Party, must be censored. I never saw Trump pushing for censorship of all the his detractors who were actually spreading lies about him. The FBI is heavily involved in the censorship collusion game. They claim that subversive information on social media could undermine support for the U.S. government. 
One FBI report explained, we need a media infrastructure that is held accountable. Undermine the support of the U.S. government. Oh, no. We can't have the morally and economically bankrupt behemoth with a 100% failure rate be undermined. Prior to the 2020 elections, tech companies, including Twitter, Facebook, Reddit, Wikipedia, Microsoft, LinkedIn, and Verizon, met on a monthly basis with the FBI and other government representatives. According to NBC News, the meetings were part of an initiative still ongoing between the private sector and government to discuss how firms would handle misinformation during the election. DHS claims that they must counter disinformation content or it might undermine trust in the financial systems and courts. What the hell? Those of us who are well-informed do not trust most major institutions in America because they have been corrupted or co-opted by the likes of the DHS. Meeting minutes show that the tech platforms would be called upon to process reports and provide timely response to include the removal of reported misinformation from the platform where possible. In practice, this often meant state election officials sent examples of potential forms of disinformation to the FBI, who would then forward them to the social media companies for a response. As if that's not disturbing enough, we also learned that the FBI spent millions of dollars on social media tracking software. According to the Bureau's official guidelines, authorized activities include, quote, proactively surfing the internet to find publicly accessible websites and services through which recruitment of terrorist organizations and promotion of terrorist crimes is openly taking place, end quote. Now that technology is being used to curb dissent from the acceptable federal narrative. According to documents cited in the Missouri Attorney General's lawsuit, during the 2020 election, the government flagged numerous posts as suspicious and many of them were subsequently taken down. In a 2021 report by the Election Integrity Partnership at Stanford University found that of nearly 4,800 flagged items, technology platforms took action on 35% of them, either removing, labeling, or soft-blocking speech, meaning the users were only able to view content after bypassing a warning screen. According to DHS meeting minutes from March, the FBI's Foreign Influence Task Force includes 80 individuals focused on curbing, quote, subversive data utilized to drive a wedge between the populace and the government. I mean, this is completely asinine. Driving a wedge is a crime? Subversive? What, is that, what does that even mean? Faiza Patel, senior director of the Brennan Center for Justice, told The Intercept, quote, there are no specific legal constraints on the FBI's use of social media. The attorney general guidelines permits agents to look at social media before there is any investigation at all. So it's kind of like the wild, wild west out there, end quote. In other words, they investigate people looking for crimes. They are monitoring Americans without a warrant, an explicit violation of the Constitution. Biden's director of the Cybersecurity and, and Infrastructure Security Agency argued, quote, one could argue we're in the business of critical infrastructure, and the most critical infrastructure is our cognitive infrastructure. So building that resilience to misinformation and disinformation, I think, is incredibly important, end quote. The CISA's director called for the expansive role for the agency in shaping the information ecosystem. The report called on the agency to closely monitor, quote, social media platforms of all sizes, mainstream media, cable news, hyper-partisan media, talk radio, and other online resources, end quote. 
They argued that the agency needed to take steps to halt the spread of false and misleading information with a focus on information that undermines key democratic institutions such as the courts or by other sectors such as the financial system or public health measures. Again, all of this shit is just made up. What in the hell is cognitive infrastructure? What is an information ecosystem? And again, everything here is subjective. What is false? What is misleading? Who defines it? In a constitutionally directed United States, we don't hear words like mis, dis, malinformation because free speech is valued over authoritarian reign and squashing of free speech. Calling for the censorship of someone, unless the person is literally calling for the death or maiming or vandalizing or physical harm of someone, should never happen in America. Why can't they just leave people the hell alone? How about you let people practice their God-given and constitutionally protected right to free speech? If they put out bad information, just counter it with the truth. It's called a conversation. It's called a debate. Instead, these authoritarians, their knee-jerk reaction is censorship. In an America governed by the Constitution, you can say or write whatever the hell you want, even lies, unless they violate some law like libel or slander. But most importantly, you can say whatever you want about the federal government without being harassed, censored, persecuted, prosecuted, or arrested. That type of shit goes on in dictatorships or in Western countries where the people's liberties are not protected by a constitution. I want to highlight two key takeaways from the Intercept article that will probably make you as angry as they make me. Number one. DHS planned to target inaccurate information on a wide range of topics, including the origins of the COVID-19 pandemic and the efficacy of COVID-19 vaccines, racial justice, U.S. withdrawal from Afghanistan, and the nature of U.S. support to Ukraine. And number two, Facebook created a special portal for DHS and government partners to report disinformation directly. Okay, let's look at those two things separately. If this precedent holds up, Every time the federal government breaks a law, screws up, or does something that someone in the general public disagrees with, they will simply mobilize their miss, this malinformation goon squad. Why should they have to defend or explain their actions and policy prescriptions in the arena of ideas or in a public debate? They are the almighty federal government. Number two, a portal. A portal was set up at Facebook. Are you kidding me? There is or was a formalized process for government officials to directly flag content on Facebook or Instagram and request that it be throttled or suppressed through a special Facebook portal that requires a government or law enforcement email to use. That is absolutely mind-boggling and incredible to think that the government is colluding at that level. All this really got started because of lies started with the lie about Russia collusion and Russia involvement in the 2016 election. From there, DHS ramped up efforts to squash the lie that the COVID vaccine was safe and effective. Instead of proving that Russia was involved in the election, they squashed conversations and arguments pointing out that it was a lie. Instead of proving that the COVID vaccine was safe and effective, proving the alternative off-label generic drug treatments did not work, proving masks, lockdowns, and social distancing were effective, they simply silenced opposition. They silenced dissent. They shut down debate. It's no different than the Sedition Act from over 200 years ago. 
If I'm in Congress right now, I immediately either move to defund the entire DHS and the FBI or pass a law that explicitly prohibits them from domestic investigations into mis-, dis-, and mal-information. Two can play at this game. I would then immediately cut the staff by 50% since their workload and mission has now been narrowed considerably. We started this episode with a brief history lesson about the Alien and Sedition Acts of 1798. I want to end it with one that is only a few years older than that, the First Amendment. Here's the First Amendment in its entirety. Congress shall make no law respecting an establishment of religion, or prohibiting the free exercise thereof, or abridging the freedom of speech, or of the press, or of the people to peacefully assemble and to petition their government for a redress of grievances. Judge Andrew Napolitano recently wrote a great piece about the subject we are discussing today. I want to leverage his expertise As you listen to his thoughts, I want you to assess whether or not you think what the federal government is doing, everything we've already covered, is that stuff constitutional? If your answer is, hell no, it ain't constitutional, then the next question is, what can be done to punish the people who are so blatantly violating our constitutional rights? James Madison's language in the First Amendment is clear. It only restrains Congress. The courts expanded the scope of the First Amendment so as to impose its restraints upon all government including the president, the judiciary, the states, and their subdivisions. During the Civil War and World War I, Presidents Abraham Lincoln and Woodrow Wilson incarcerated folks for their speech and argued that the First Amendment only restrained Congress, not the president. Today, the First Amendment protects the freedom of speech from all government. This is where you will hear folks argue that the social media companies are private, non-governmental actors. They are free to infringe upon the speech of their clients and customers for any and all reasons that they choose. He explains that yet a non-governmental actor that enters into a symbiotic relationship with the government may lose its freedom to suppress speech and be subjected to the same restraints as the government. Twitter, for example, is free to suppress any speech and any speaker because of the content of their speech unless it is doing the government's bidding. If Twitter is doing for the government what the government cannot do on its own, suppress speech because of its content, and if sufficient evidence of this is properly brought before a court, The court may very well invoke the state action doctrine, which will impose the restraints of the First Amendment upon Twitter. The courts have ruled that when a governmental actor, here the DHS, the FBI, Secret Service, Customs and Border Protection, Immigration and Customs Enforcement, and God knows how many others, and a non-governmental actor, here Twitter, Facebook, Google, YouTube, Instagram, etc., If they're so entwined for their natural benefit and someone is harmed by having their content suppressed, the courts will impose First Amendment restraint upon the non-governmental actor. The whole purpose of the First Amendment is to keep the government entirely out of the business of interfering with speech, directly or indirectly. Moreover, if Twitter, Facebook, Google, YouTube, or Instagram does the government's bidding, and the First Amendment is applied to Twitter, Facebook, Google, YouTube, and Instagram, it will lose its private property-generated ability to suppress speech. Jonathan Turley put it similarly, There is growing evidence that the legislative and executive branch officials are using social media companies to engage in censorship by surrogate. It is axiomatic that the government cannot do indirectly what it is prohibited from doing directly. If government officials are directly or facilitating such censorship, it raises serious First Amendment questions. I continue to be awestruck by the audacity of the authoritarian left and the deep state. They are relentless 
They are driven to destroy this country, subjugate us, censor our speech, and limit our freedoms and liberty with the fervor of a drug addict. Their level of disingenuousness is spellbounding. Their overt spit in the eye of the Constitution is astonishing. It's as if the document doesn't even exist. As I said at the outset of this episode, we find ourselves in a perilous place in history, and there does not appear to be any real resistance. You have likely heard of people with a God complex. Well, that is the perfect description of the United States federal government, as we watch it clearly and blatantly violate the First Amendment on a daily basis. And that's the truth about the rescission of the First Amendment. Please subscribe to the podcast on your favorite platform.